having been a minister's daughter and then a wife for my entire life, I know that many people think that a minister's work uh, might be a couple of days a week, never realizing <laughs> that, uh, well, especially at White's Chapel, I know that worship does not just happen. It is very intentional, and I know that a great deal of planning goes on behind the scenes. And and we're sitting here talking today to the six people who were the most um, instrumental in, in making worship at White's Chapel, the special, special uh, experience that it is. So I would like to introduce you to uh, our pastors, co-pastors, John McKellar and Todd Renner, as well as Reverend Sam Robbins, and then our worship leaders, Shauna Fuller, Clint Blaylock, and Grace Hughes Zeller. Uh, all of the, these, these six people really work diligently every week to bring the worship experience to White's Chapel. So I'm hoping that you'll get an idea of the kind of the behind the scenes. We've prepared several questions, and uh, we're just gonna we're just gonna play we, it. We were naturally. supposed to prepare for this. <laughs> <laughs> you got your questions. Um, um, what? Two weeks ago. Yes, you did. Did you not? Did you not get that email? And and Debbie, oh, <laughs> Debbie's, Debbie's used the entire podcast raising the question. <laughs> oh gosh. <laughs> I'm really excited about this. I am teasing. I am teasing. Okay. Uh, we'll discuss that later. <laughs> <laughs> All right. We're gonna, we're That's the podcast I want to watch. Randomly take the questions. And the first thing I want to ask, and y'all can just jump out, no order. Try not to jump on top of one another as far as, you know, getting <coughs> uh, the others out of the way. How do you, each of you, approach planning for worship. Who wants to go first? Can I go first? Sure. Todd is going to step on my foot. <clears throat> I've separated you. Before <clears throat> we get to the specifics of worship, okay, before we get to the specifics of worship planning, um, there's a whole lot of steps that have gone on to get to that, I mean, even before we tackle, and it starts with, and Todd, you jump in and help me, but uh, six months at a time, we craft basically the the themes, the topics that were going to be the series that we're going to have, and we start at the very beginning by what we call exegeting the community, where are we in life, <clears throat> Um, what what needs to be addressed with what's going on? Like during COVID, we knew people had isolation and loneliness. We were trying to address issues going on. And so then we have a retreat in which sermon series are put together. Uh, and I will do this quickly. And then after we get the retreat, Todd and I get together and we try to pick scriptures using diversity of text so that we don't pre preach our favorites every week. Then once those get together, then we do a thing called scopes which lay out the series that we have, um, 
some ideas. Jump in, Todd. You jump in. <clears throat> ideas about that, and then a mood and a landing point. Landing point is what do we hope folk leave with? What's the main idea? What is the mood of the day? Then the worship team has those, and then we meet once a week, and that starts. So there's been six months of work goes on before we tackle the week of, and really y'all are months out anyway once you have that. Anybody else want to jump on that one? Yep. Sure. Um, so like John was saying, <coughs> they're exegeting the community, which takes a lot of time and prep uh, to... Everyone does not understand that religionese. So what exactly sure. does okay. exegete mean? So it's gathering the information you need from a resource uh, without reading into it your own personal biases. Um, and so the idea of exegeting community, it, correct me if I'm wrong, is really establishing where the congregation, our community is, what sort of things they're wrestling with and dealing with, and how we can best speak to those situations in a way that gives them the resources they need to be representatives of Christ in their own personal communities and works, uh, work and families and all of the sort of situations that they will find themselves in. I want to make sure they don't, they don't go into that um, empty-handed or without the right resources. So as John and Todd are creating worship series that we're going to be working on, as a worship team, we're kind of doing a similar thing where we're looking at um, the breadth of human experience, right, and asking what can we do to provide good resources for our congregation so that whenever they're joyful, they know how to rejoice in a wonderfully accurate biblical way. Whenever they're lamenting, how do we give them a vocabulary to know how to lament in a way that doesn't reject or jettison their faith, but they can hold on to it and lean into God even more, uh, more helpfully. And so we try to approach our, our worship uh, from the music side of, are we giving them good resources? Um, there's, a, there's a phrase I'm going to pull out of a book I've been reading recently uh, called The Worship Pastor that says one of our, part of our call is to be a theological dietitian. Um, the idea is to like create that. healthy, balanced meals of worship so that when people find themselves in any, you know, part of their life that where they don't know how to articulate it, they've got a, a, at least a basic understanding of how do I express my sorrow to God? How do I express my longing? How do I express the anxiety or fear that I'm dealing with? Uh, or, yeah, or the joy, mm-hmm. right? So just giving them a chance to, to experience that in worship um, is a really helpful way of giving them the opportunity to be ready for it when they face it, and there's not a pastor right next mm-hmm. to them, or there's not a, you know, a, a church pianist that can play a beautiful uh, thing for them. They need to be able to, to kind of do that for themselves. Um, right. so. What I'm what I always like overwhelmed by, and uh, I shouldn't be surprised by it, but I am, um, is just how, how the Holy Spirit moves. You know, because starting six months out, this whole process is bathed in prayer. Mm-hmm. Every worship meeting, every time we get together to talk about sermon series or scriptures, it, it always begins, it always ends with, with prayer. It, it, it ends with us asking, ask, asking the Lord, hey, would, would you please lead us? Would you lead us into what your people need to hear, what, what they need to, to experience? And don't let it be about us to, in fact, get us out of the way, help us to decrease that, that, that you would increase. And what, what amazes me, and like I said, it shouldn't, it shouldn't surprise me that God answers that prayer, but how um, a, a, a series or a scripture that's picked six months out Come the week of, it is just right. It is right on top of what's going on mm-hmm. in the world, in the community, in, in in our lives, and how songs that we have that maybe we picked three weeks out. Um, 
it is it's exactly what I need to hear. It's exactly what my wife needs to hear. It's exactly what uh, the family, you know, 15 rows behind me, they need to hear. And it's, it's how the Lord answers that prayer, that consistent prayer of, um, God, you do your thing. You know, we're, we're here to experience you and to be changed by you. Um, and and I, that's why I love get to be just a part of it, just being being a you know a, a, a tool in God's work belt. You know, just to to, to be deployed. Yeah, I love that because there have been so many times on Saturday night um, where, I mean, honestly, just we we haven't gotten to meet for whatever reason because yeah. I'm off doing something or Grace is off doing something, and. She'll pick a song and, you know, she's looked at the scopes and I've looked at the scopes, obviously, but we've looked at them separately and she'll just pick the exact song that, that, yeah, that is perfectly thematic to where I ended up, you know, landing my sermon. And we always just say, that's just, it's, it's spirit led. And then, you know, and that makes that service so much more powerful because God was our worship leader. God was really conducting everything. Uh, We were, we were just trying to play our roles best we could. And the only thing that I'd add is that um, so often, and Pastor John and I talk about this, from paper to production, the anointing happens. Mm-hmm. And, it's, and you can feel it. It's like we will, we'll sit there with the whiteboard, and we think it's going to go away, but uh, go a certain way. And then all of a sudden, it just is on fire come Sunday morning when all the elements come together mm-hmm. and bathed in prayer, like you said. And all of a sudden, the Holy Spirit anoints it, and wow, it's a... Uh, it's really goosebumply exciting, inspiring, and uh, transforming. Yeah, and I hope people know that, that it's not just something that's bottled, Mm-mm. that mm-hmm. you can just reproduce. Uh, you know, it's, it's, it's not – we put a lot of work into it, and it is packaged well, and we try and, you know, produce it well and, and, and be excellent in everything that we do. But also there is – I mean, the X factor is always God. It's mm-hmm. the Spirit, and you just trust that God's going to use – our offering, I mean, I, I'm sure John and Todd would say this, all of our pastors and all of our worship musicians, that I've had times where I preach a sermon and I think it's a disaster or a service goes kind of awry and it wasn't what we thought, and yet it was super meaningful to somebody. And, I'll, you know, I've, I've had, we had a service not too, too long ago that just, we just had a lot of hiccups. And I had a uh, family come up to me afterwards and, and we had this really powerful conversation and it was, it was born out of the service yeah. and you know I mean, the, the x factor is god and god is god is at work and you i hope people in our congregation can sense that and mm-hmm. uh in every service that it's that it's the spirit really pushing us yeah. okay um this gets personal and what I would like, I know most people can probably think back on a particularly uh, special worship experience. Could you or would you each describe your most powerful personal worship experience? Grace, you want to start? Yeah, I'll start. So when I was thinking about this, I thought of my first one Ever, where I really experienced God like speaking to me and I was overwhelmed with the Holy Spirit. And it's funny, it was in sixth grade. I went with a friend to a Mercy Me concert. I know, Mercy Me, a classic. (laughs) And we're sitting there, we've gotten halfway through the concert and they really they play I Can Only Imagine. And I'd got to sing that for my grandfather's funeral. And so the song just means a lot to me. But I was just overwhelmed with it. I could 
I felt a, a feeling over me, a Holy Spirit feeling, and I started crying, and I was embarrassed, and I was like, what's happening? But that was, like, one of the first moments I was like, God is with me. He's with me in music. He's with me in the Word. He's with me anywhere. And kind of from there, I started feeling that in all worship music. And I really, from that moment, I can't really pinpoint another huge moment because every worship experience for me is that like I really try to lean into the Holy Spirit every time I'm singing something or experiencing something with someone else through music and for me the second music starts and especially if it's Christian contemporary right now (laughs) it's it's so special for me and I really can kind of go back to that moment where I was like God is with me in this and yeah that was one of my favorites who else wants to jump in? Todd. Oh yeah, um, man, there there are so many of them that kind of come to my mind. Um, just like corporate, when you're talking about like corporate worship, one of one of the things or two of the moments I really look forward to every year. Um, Monday Thursday services that always are, are for some reason just really powerful, more powerful. Um, um, I think just because everything is stripped away and it's, and you're so confronted right right in your face and in, in, in an inescapable sort of way. Just the amazing love and the links that that God goes to to love us. Um, Got to say, I love the midnight service on Christmas Eve, twelve oh five, serving communion out there. Uh, a couple years ago, it was snowing. Pastor John got his got his his prayer answered. It was snowing. We were serving communion. We had preached something like fourteen services that day. the The Christmas bells were ringing because we you know queued them up on the steeple, and it was and you just kind of have the sense of. Whew, it's Christmas, and all the, all that pressure, all that stress, all the anxiety of, of 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 preaching and worrying and and carrying a community on your shoulders. Like in that moment, it's you look back and you say, "Yeah, I, I probably could have done some things better, but wow, the Lord provided." Um, and it's just this this moment of just complete relief, you know. Um, so like corporately, those um, there are moments just in my own kind of private worship life because it doesn't worship doesn't just happen at church and not just on Saturday nights or on Sunday mornings. Um, in my own personal life, I think the one that's maybe the, the, the most powerful to me is, uh, just in, in a really dark moment in my life. Um, again, singing, singing songs just by myself, um, and praying and, and pouring out my heart. And I had this vision of God just holding me. Um, but it was holding me. I think I mentioned it in the Easter sermon a couple of years ago. Um, God holding me and there was this one there was this one shirt that I loved because I thought I looked really good in it back in high school <laughs> like back in my most rebellious of days it was do you remember structure I'm oh, looking yeah. at Clint oh, yeah. uh, like structure was the place to go to expensive right shirt. expensive nice yeah yeah I saved up I saved up all my my sports my sports authority money went to structure <laughs> bought me this sweet looking shirt it was plaid and had a Nehru collar right oh. and that was the one I'd always wear that to parties I'd always wear that out on dates like I said this was like my most rebellious season and in this image, whenever I was going through this this terrible time, just in life and being overwhelmed and over my head, um, I had this picture of God cradling me like a baby. But it wasn't like an infant me; it was it was a, an adolescent me. And the thing I remember is I was wearing that shirt. So in this picture, in my mind, in this picture that I, I truly believe was Holy Spirit led, the the me that God was loving on wasn't 
it wasn't me as an infant and pure and unblemished. It wasn't me in my ministerial robes, my preaching gown or anything. God chose to give me this image that he chose to love me at my most rebellious at those times whenever, like, I don't love me from back in that day. And yet the Almighty is like, you know what, though you might not, you might not be even able to, Todd, I can love that kid. Um, yeah. And so to have experienced that, um, that. Yeah. That's really good. So I'd be happy to share one. Uh, Go. If, if it goes too long, just stop me. All right. Okay. <laughs> you can shut me up at any point. So uh, take you back to 2005. Um, I'm a full-time seminary student. I'm a full-time worker for the seminary doing landscaping, trying to work my way through. My wife's pregnant with our second child. Um, I'm also serving part-time at a local church, leading worship and over there young adults and uh, and youth choir and a few other things, right? So we're in like 20 different hats, but I've been working myself to death. You had a uh, lot of free time, didn't Right, you? exactly. A lot of free time. Yeah, just was doing <laughs> Greek and Hebrew in my spare time, right? <laughs> <laughs> but so I was working myself to death, um, but I was getting migraine headaches that were just eating my lunch. Um, and so one got so bad, I went to the ER and they had to give me medicine uh, to put me to sleep because I was really having a hard time. Um, and I remember falling asleep and hearing all kinds of doctors rushing around and concern and being, you know, moved away. And the next morning I woke up and found out uh, my mom was sitting right next to me. She said, they've been doing scans all night. It looks like you had an aneurysm. Um, I don't understand. The doctors have still got results they're waiting on. Let me go out and call the family. Um, Julie had gone home because she was like eight months pregnant with our second child. And so she had to be told, okay, come on back up and join us. And so in that moment where I was by myself, um, I kind of had a breaking moment where I just poured my heart out to God and said, God, what am I doing wrong? Mm. I mean, I'm doing everything I can possibly do for you. Why, why would this be happening? Like, I've got my whole life before me, and I've got kids that are to raise. I've got ministry. I've got goals and dreams. What do you want from me that I'm not giving you? And it was one of the few times in my life where I can just crystal clear hear the voice of God. He said, what I want from you right now is for you to worship me. And I didn't know what to do, but the song, uh, Blessed Be Your Name by Ratton Redman yes. came to mind. So I just, with this little quivery voice you hear right now, I'm saying, <laughs> I started singing, you give and take away, you give and take away. My heart will choose to say, blessed be your name. Um, and so I sang that, and not too long after, my mom comes in, the doctor comes in, and he says, you know, I don't know how to explain this, but it looks like you had an aneurysm. But as soon as it started, it stopped. And now we can't find any uh, traces of weak blood vessels in your brain. We've got two or three more scans to, to, that we're waiting on, but we, we don't know what happened. All we know is it looks like you're okay. It looks like everything's fine. And so what God taught me in that moment was he'd already done the work that he needed to do, but I just didn't know it yet. And so I was living that weird in-between moment of what am I going to do with this and when God told me, I want you to worship, I thought, okay, that's, that's it. That's what I've got to figure out. I don't have to know how everything's going to work out. I just have to trust that God's going to do it. And in the meantime, he wants me to praise him for my testimony, for my own benefit, for the benefit of the people around me that God's put in my life. They need to see a, a guy who can worship in the midst of it. So, That's awesome. Yeah, that is. Well, Clint got very deep, and so I'm going to lighten it up a little bit. Um, that was a very cool story, Clint. I've heard it before. I never get tired of hearing that one. Um, but I've been leading worship since um, since I was 15. So um, when you asked this question, Debbie, I had like just a kaleidoscope of experiences of all different 
churches, all different outside, inside, my morning quiet time. I just, it was like a kaleidoscope ran across, but two, two jumped out and one just happened. And it was when Hayden Whitehead led worship on Senior Sunday this year. That was, we have had seniors sing um, in that Senior Sunday for decades, but he's the first one to lead worship. And it was such a high point with him and his brother and crying, and Ava was there um, harmonizing. It was just, that that told me that we are doing, Grace's evidence of what we're doing, because Grace grew up in the church, and I remember the first time you came and sang on, on our chancel, yeah, you know? Third grade, and uh, anyway, that's such a affirmation, confirmation. But that's what we're trying to do: is raise up worship leaders. That's not we don't want the buck to end here. Um, and the uh, besides Hayden and Harrison, um, it was the Vatican. When we oh, got the Vatican yes. um, a couple of years ago, the bishop had asked us to do a to help anchor a choir to go on the footsteps of St. Paul. And we're sitting in a small room with several, uh, probably a dozen, There were, I think there were, and, um, and the bishop said, we're going to start in Rome, you know, to go to Greece and everything. And I said, well, if we're going to start in Rome, I'm going to try to get the Vatican for the choir to sing in. And we all laughed. I laughed just as loud as everyone else. And, and yeah, and then went, but I mean, the choir, we've sung at Notre Dame before the fire, of course, and the National Cathedral and um, Carnegie Hall. We've sung so many places. And uh, so the Vatican would be like the cherry on the Sunday, the ultimate and uh, sure enough, it sounds like the beginning of a bad joke, but I, I, um, I wrote letters to two priests, uh, two cardinals, um, a nun, and the pope, and sent them recordings of our choir, and, um, and it was the nun who got us into the Vatican. <laughs> God bless her, and um, that was a funny story. She answered the phone, and she was, um, she was a French nun, and I went to music conservatory in France, so I still parlay a little bit, and so uh, we were speaking a little French, and she said, oh, Sean, I'm so sorry, I don't know anyone at the Vatican. And I said, well, sister, I'm praying, and I won't be surprised if someone walks in the door. And that's what happened. Someone walked in the door. She made the connection. We got, we could only do it one day. And we got the, I was sitting in a worship planning meeting when I opened the email and started squealing and screaming. Oh my gosh, we got the Vatican. So, um, I told the choir everyone they know could be invited to come sing with us because we're a Methodist choir to get what a privilege to sing in, in Rome at St. Peter's for a Mass. And so we had 266 singers join us from all over the world, and um, it was a moment. And I know y'all were there, and I'm so glad that we all shared it together. So that was probably one of those uh, most powerful moments. John, Sam? Uh, okay. Um, we talked. We actually answered this question on the next question podcast uh, last time with John and Todd and I. So, if you're currently listening to this podcast, we would encourage you to to check out next question uh, and send your questions into next question. <laughs> anyway, uh, but anyway, we we did answer this, and I, I told a story about when we went on uh, our Guatemalan mission trip. We had all gotten super sick. This this was several years ago. Our first Guatemalan mission trip. And it was uh, a lot of a lot of us got rotavirus. It was a t it was a rough trip. It was a rough trip. Um, this was a youth trip, is that correct? Yes, it was a youth trip. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so lots lots of tummy trouble, and uh, we we get to the end of the trip, and the very last night we were all just depleted. I mean, uh, um, you know, emotionally and mentally and physically, and every part of us is just kind of tapped out. And 
we thought about canceling worship that night. We were like we were supposed to have this rooftop worship night. We thought, I, you know, we may not be able to do this. And um, Floyd was like, I think we should do it. And I said, okay, let's do it. And so I got up there and I think I preached like a 10 minute sermon and Floyd played guitar and it was so stripped back. I mean, there was like 20, uh, 20 of us on a rooftop in Guatemala uh, just wrecked. And it was one of the holiest moments of my life. And I've, I mean, and you know, in that same vein, I've also, some of my most powerful worship experiences have been in our young adult. Uh, when I was doing our young adult ministry, uh, our whole band was volunteer. Um, it was not always the most uh, highly produced, perfect sounding thing, but it, it was so often it was even more sacred because of that. And so I, I think some of my most powerful worship experiences have been when it is just stripped back and it's just a bunch you know like when it was young adults it's, it's just a bunch of 20 somethings yeah. singing poorly at the top of, of our lungs yeah, yeah with grace playing piano and us doing our best yeah. and um that and that guatemala experience i guess the commonality is just it's it's the it's the offering i have to give it's the mm-hmm. offer and there's something so beautiful and meaningful in that and so mm-hmm. um i yeah I, I, I guess i've never really put those things together but but the moments where I'm just giving my little bit, the widow's offering, you know, has have always been some of the most memorable for me. The loaves and Mm-hmm. You know, and I and I'm I'm thinking about that because I really have these moments like all the time, and I'm just amazed at how the spirit moves. But I had one a few weeks ago mentioned that senior Sunday um, with Hayden, and so great service and. My mind just flashes back to the beginning. I remember when we kind of started that here um, in the, the the class of 1993, mm-hmm. and I remember back um, for many many years after a court case went against Carol, they ended the baccalaureate, mm-hmm. and one of the parents wanted to start it again. And I remember the very first time it was in the school auditorium, and I met Shauna for the first time, and I met Sue Tate, and it was the three of us with just really a handful of folk because Carol had not done that. And so we carried that baccalaureate for years. And so the senior experience was wonderful. But then so after we had worship that day, I came back that afternoon. Todd is preaching it now. And, uh, uh, you know, we're to the place that I was kind of sitting on the front row just watching. And I just had this overwhelming sense of being a proud papa of what God has done and that our church shares the facility in a beautiful way. Uh, And it was magnificent. And Todd preached a brilliant sermon. And I was, I mean, seriously, proud papa, the the buttons were about to pop off my shirt. And I was just thankful about what God had been doing. Because at the same time, I'm seeing where it is. Shauna, I remember us in that auditorium in the very beginning, and Shauna thought I was a homeless person. <clears throat> That's really the first time we met, but we lived in the same neighborhood. And, uh, I didn't think you were homeless. I thought you were unemployed. Unemployed. Because <laughs> so he was walking the street. He, he probably has a home, but, but no job, for sure. <laughs> No. Well, this was back in the 90s when, the when 90s men were not home. At home. And you'd see him walking the street in the middle of the day, and I prayed for him because I, <laughs> I thought he was unemployed. And so Shauna's prayer worked in a wonderful way, kept keeping me employed. Yes. But, no, it, but it's just when I see what God continues to do, uh, and I, and I, I kind of see the journey, it's really very moving and exciting to me because then I know— um, God is going to continue to do that. Yeah. And one of the say- sayings that we've had is our best day of worship is still 
to come. It's out there. And we are always striving and listening and trying to be faithful to lead people to Christ. Mm -hmm. And so we're just excited about what will be. Well, I realize that I'm not one of the planners of worship, but at listening to all of your experiences, I just have to kind of throw mine in there. And that is when John and I came here in 1992, that summer, I heard a song for the very first time and seeing the potential of the church and, and the spirit that was alive, I dreamed of singing that song uh, in the future, and it was Holy Ground. Oh. And I will wow. never forget that when we built the, the sanctuary, I still call it the new sanctuary, although it's 20 years old now. <laughs> when we built the new sanctuary, it, and it was right after 9-11, and we had the shell, and it was cement floors, and there was that, uh, the bulldozer was still in the sanctuary. There weren't any real lights. We had to bring in folding chairs. I will never forget, we brought in the folding chairs, and we had uh, a worship service just in that. It was so intimate, and Brenda sang Holy Ground, and you, I mean, the Spirit, there might not have been a lot of people there, but that was full. It was mm. absolutely full. The Holy Spirit was so there it did Mm -hmm. and it was such a blessing because we hadn't even had our first i mean this was our first worship service if you will Mm -hmm. in that sanctuary and it was it had been a long time coming and every time i hear that song now i go back to that moment because Mm -hmm. it was so meaningful and so spiritual and that's the one that comes to my mind. So I just threw that in there, whether yeah, you wanted to hear it or not. Great, mm-hmm. That's a great memory. All right. So could, uh, if you had to pick one, we're going to kind of change this up a little bit. If you had to pick one, what would be your favorite worship verse from the Bible? And, and why would you choose that one? Oh. Todd, you got these questions two weeks ago. Well, I will say you may have sent them two weeks ago. That's a good one. Y'all, y'all, y'all go around, and I'll be thinking about. Okay, it. I'm gonna, I'm gonna jump in. And wait, 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 did you get these? Did you see these questions? You guys are on the email. Pop quiz. You know, Todd. You know what I say? If you want to hide something from me, send me an email. <laughs> I know, I know Debbie's fixing me sending me a lot of emails. Uh, Now, this is going to sound flippant, but um, beyond there, I think that there's something that's important to all of us. And I think of the great verse in John 11 when Jesus arrives at Lazarus' tomb and it says, Jesus wept. Um, We want worship to have heart, Mm -hmm. Uh, we want people to feel. Um, it's the best service when you laugh and you cry and you have the whole gamut of human emotions. Um, I know that was shocking in the ancient world. The Greeks couldn't imagine a God and a Savior that wept and cried and felt. Um, And yet I think that feeling of emotions is really important Mm -hmm. behind everything that we try to do. That's really good. That's a great reflection. Go, Sam. Well, I did my homework. 
uh, Miss Debbie, and as I do, uh, yeah, and uh, and so I I went through a few, and obviously there's a, so many great psalms uh, to choose from. So many times David is mm-hmm. overcome with emotion, uh, but the one I picked was Colossians three, and I've used this I I've used this in a lot of weddings, and so uh, which you know I, I always tell couples that weddings are worship services. It's not just you know this uh, this kind of quick thing we get done so we can get to the reception. It's it's we're inviting God into this marriage. So, uh, but this is one I've, I've used in a, in a lot of ceremonies, and it's Colossians three sixteen and seventeen, which says, "Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly. Teach and admonish one another in all wisdom, and with gratitude in your heart, sing psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs to your God." And whatever you do in word or deed, do everything in the name of our Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. And, and I love that scripture um, uh, because Paul is writing that from prison. Mm-hmm. You know, he's writing from a prison in Ephesus. And, and for him to, to, to write those words about, about worship coming from a place of gratitude, which is a big part of my theology of, of, of worship, is that we worship... Not because we're afraid of God and God's going to smite us if we don't praise him enough. We worship out of a sense of gratitude. God has done so much and been so good that what, what other option do we have but to worship him? That's, that's all we can do. And so, and I just love that. I love that, that he says, with a grateful heart, sing song, sing psalms and, 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 and hymns and spiritual songs and rejoice. Because mm-hmm. uh, to me, that's my, my personal understanding of what worship is. Mm-hmm. It's out of gratitude we have no other choice but to sing. Whether you're in the sanctuary or the foundry or a prison in Ephesus, mm-hmm. um, that's what we do. That's who we are. Okay. Okay. Um, so I have a little bit of backstory for mine. Um, so Upper Room did an arrangement of Did You Feel the Mountains Tremble? Like it was probably in 2018, 2019. And they tagged on this little section and the girl, I, it, it maybe was spontaneous, but she started singing. I put off all my heaviness. I put on a garment of praise because you turned my morning into dancing and my night into day. And I had kind of been going through a rough spot in life then and dealing with like some pain in my body and that had been hard. And I took that little phrase as kind of my life first. And I was looking it up and I'll be honest, I didn't know exactly where it came from in the Bible, <laughs> just to be honest. But it's Isaiah 61, 3 through 10. It says, To bestow on them a crown of beauty instead of ashes, the oil of joy instead of mourning, and a garment of praise instead of a spirit of despair. Mm-hmm. And that's yeah. that's kind of been since 2019 my verse that whenever I'm in a hard spot or dealing with that pain, I'll just start saying that I put on my garment of praise. You turn my morning into dancing and you've turned my night into day. And it's brought a lot of joy and comfort into my life. And it encourages me to just keep praising and worshiping. Yeah. Yep. Thanks for sharing that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's good. Oh, Grace, you said that song to me like not too long Literally after that. right after. And it just played in my house on repeat. And so I can still remember my kids dancing around and singing that song. That specific song is just so good. It and it's a throwback because like the original, Did You Feel the Mountains Tremble is older, almost older than me. <laughs> <laughs> almost. But, but they threw in a new chorus and it became the new hotness, right? So that's right. <laughs> that's all they had to do. Um, so I, I, like Todd said, a lot of the Psalms, uh, I'm sorry, like 
uh, Sam said, a lot of the Psalms are, are there for me at different times. But the one I, I try not to quote too much in, in church services is one of my favorites. Psalm 63 uh, that says, I've seen you in the temple, I've beheld your power and your glory. And because your love is better than life, my lips will glorify you. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that's it speaks to what you said, Sam. It's like, I've borne witness to God's goodness and his faithfulness. How could I do anything less than praise you? Because yeah. uh, it's definitely a response. God's the first mover there. He's the one that's initiating. But um, if we don't take time to notice it, if we don't take time to adequately respond, uh, we've missed one of the biggest points of life. So, yeah, mm-hmm. that's, that's great. so good. Mm-hmm. You still need more time? Yeah, I, oh. <laughs> I'm debating on two, honestly, oh, well, we'll right now. We can, um, we'll vote. Okay, <laughs> please do. Both both kind of obscure Old Testament because, well, Surprise. I'm, Surprise. yeah, I know. I'm, I'm both obscure and Old Come Testament-y, on, you, you know? Um, uh, one of them is in, uh, it's in Habakkuk. Um, I think it's chapter three, Habakkuk mm-hmm. three, um, yes. where uh, Habakkuk's right and he says, even if the harvest fails, mm-hmm. even if there's nothing in the barns, yeah. even if all the cattle and the sheep are gone, Yet will I rejoice in the Lord. Yes. You know, yet will I praise I know. Him. You know that that's that that moment that you know we all have. You know, like if 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 our praise if our praise and our rejoicing in God is contingent upon all the outside stuff in our life being perfect, then we're never going to do it because it's never going to be perfect. Never you know, there's perfect. you're right. There's always going to be something else we want or need. You know, there are what a handful of those crystalline moments. Those just purely beautiful, nothing's distracting us moments when everything just is is right. Um, and most of the time we're so we're so absorbed in those moments we forget to thank God even then. Um, but how do you, how do we praise God? How do we praise God on the mountaintops, but maybe even more difficult, how do we praise God in the in, in the valleys? Um, so that one. Um, then the other one, uh, it's it's Exodus chapter three. It is Moses being called on to the holy ground, you know, and he says, take your shoes off um, because the ground you're standing on is, is holy. And it's the, the bush, the blazing bush that's not being consumed. And, you know, there's this, this, this ancient kind of rabbinic understanding of why, why does Moses take his shoes off? Because his feet are just as dirty as the bottom of, of his sandals. And they're just little thin layers of, of leather. And um, the rabbi said, oh, it's because God didn't want anything getting in the way of Moses experiencing that holiness. He didn't want even that little thinnest piece of leather. And, and then um, it's at that moment that, that God gives Moses his command. He gives him his life's purpose of I've chosen you to go and deliver to deliver the Israelites out of the hand of, of, of Pharaoh. And Moses's response, you know, it, it begins Moses's five buts. Right. And he <laughs> says, but who am I, Lord? Um, who am I that, that, that I should do this? Uh, and God's response, God doesn't directly answer Moses's question, his, his who am I question. Moses says, or God says to Moses, um, this is going to be my sign to you whenever you deliver, when you go back and you do what I'm telling you to do, and you're going to deliver the children of Israel out of Egypt, you're going to come and you're going to worship on this mountain. Mm-hmm. It's almost like God's going to say, I'm going to answer your question about who you are and who you, what your identity is. You're going to discover that in worship. You're going to mm-hmm. discover that and just following after me and doing what I'm asking you to do. It's not going to make sense. You're not going to even know how to do it. Um, but, you know, just trust me and you're going to worship me and you're going to know who you are um, in, in in the same way that you're going to realize who I am, too. So those are my two. That's great. I like them both. It's like time. Mm-hmm. Oh. oh, OK. Well, cool. You did good? 
Thanks. So, just a funny note. Uh, the Habakkuk verse uh-huh. is the verse I wrote in my wife's Bible when I gave it to her on our wedding day. Really? Because as a because you were going into ministry. Honey, <laughs> 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 we may not have any sheep in fold. <laughs> That's, <right>. That's brilliant. <laughs> Thank you, Julie. Thank you, Julie. <laughs> I know. I love that that verse too. Um, one that's always been special to me is Zephaniah 17, 317, mm-hmm. you know. The Lord your God is with you, no matter who's against you. He's a mighty warrior who saves. He will take great delight in you. And in his love, he will no longer rebuke you, but will rejoice over you with singing. And I love mm-hmm. the image of God rejoicing, him singing over us, and we adding our songs to his, and then with the cherubim and the seraphim and just the whole host of heaven. So um, that one's always been special. And I went on an Emmaus walk back in the 80s, and um, it was a different kind of experience than what I was expecting. At the very end of the three days, I mean, it was one of those where I had difficult women at the table, and I'd been so <laughs> looking forward to this. But there was one lady who was pregnant, and she kept sticking her feet up. She wanted me to rub her feet the whole time. And, oh. and I, that was interesting. What? I know. I know. And there was another one that was, I swear, she was on Valium. And she was just, <laughs> she never knew what, what's going on. Where are we? What's going on? And here I was hoping to have this whole mountaintop experience, you know, and I was just yeah. going to get into the Lord, and I had feet, and I had, what's going on? So anyway, and at the very end of the Emmaus weekend, they reveal your scripture. And so it, at the very end, they don't tell you what your scripture is. And at the very end, and after the whole weekend, I'm, you know, that was our scripture. And I said, well, Lord, I am on the right weekend. <laughs> I'm in the right place. I just didn't know, you know, but when you're called to serve, you don't get a break from serving. Yeah. You're in ministry. And whether, I mean, I, that's what came to me is that you don't, you don't get a break. You're going to get a mountaintop experience, but in the meantime, you're going to take everybody with you. Yep. Yeah. 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 Right. yeah. Yeah. I love that. Mm-hmm. That's a wonderful, that's a great, story um you know i also i don't believe in any accidents Mm -hmm. and i do think in looking at your faces as i'm fortunate to do right now and and knowing all of you and knowing your different personalities and what you bring to the table my next question is what is your personal theology of worship and i'm going to say that i'm asking that because i think God has given all of you individual gifts and your possibly your different theologies brought together is what creates the White's Chapel experience. Mm-hmm. I'm gonna John's jump. grabbing the microphone quick, so let's just, we're just gonna get out of the way. No, I want to jump in because I want to brag. You said that at everybody at this table. One of the things that is really amazing to me that I think sets us apart for some other places and that Every one of these worship leaders has great talents and great abilities to channel the Spirit. That's right. But when you get to know them, they're even greater oh, people. Yeah. They practice what they preach. Yeah, there's an authenticity. They, there's an authenticity. Yeah. There's a heart. There's a realness. And I think, uh, unfortunately, Todd, we watch a lot of other kind of worship places, and it becomes more about the performance. Yeah. And we know that there's some um, people that don't always practice what they preach in the same way. Um, here it's the real deal. Yeah. And there's and, a humility about it. Exactly. You know? yeah. And so when I see these amazingly amazing human beings um, that God has gifted in such a way, it's just even better knowing that that's who they really are. Amen to that. Thank you, Jim. Uh-huh. 
And I'm proud of the fact that in so many churches, when I talk to other worship leaders, there's a friction between the contemporary and the traditional. There's not a, we are one, where there's a great respect, a great admiration, and um, we just... We just really do enjoy working together and uh, encouraging one another. Thank you for making a lot another. of fun too. Yeah, you know, like I, like y'all's y'all's heart and y'all's head. I mean, it's um, it's it's not every church that gets to you know that gets to worship with 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 such a, just a diversity of talents and understandings and background experiences and um, I mean from age and education just to uh, but to be on the same page and pull in the same direction that is awfully rare and it's such a beautiful kind of powerful thing in the hands of of the lord so thanks thank y'all um so i completely what's the question (laughs) (laughs) your personal theology of worship oh okay while you're there i'm going to interrupt you Uh just one minute and put shauna on the spot because y'all have been talking uh, about talent and and oh my gosh, yes, we have an enormous talent, but we also have people who just want to serve. And there's a sign on the door as you enter the sanctuary from the choir room, and I can't, I know it generally, but I can't quote it. But Shauna or Clint, mm-hmm. one of y'all, would you would you tell me what that sign says? Sure. Most um, people don't get the opportunity to read that. Of course, yeah. So. Uh, it's been through several iterations, but it was right. born out of the college ministry that we were in, uh, my wife and I together. Um, every time we would have a worship service we would lead, um, the leader would challenge us. Uh, we would pray and spend a long time in prayer before the services would start, even before people would come into the room. We would pray for the space, pray over the pews, pray for the people that would come, the people that wouldn't come, all that kind of you know over overachieving <laughs> Baptist sort of things that I was raised right. You have to do all the good work for God to do anything, right? That's right. But w- what he would challenge us with when we would start to pray was pray for God to do something so big that only he can take credit for it. Um, I love that. And and so if you're going to pray, don't pray for something you could do yourself. Right. Yeah. Pray for something that God is the only one who could take credit yeah. for it. So that's the, the idea. Is go big or go when, home. Yeah, yeah. When we offer our very best, it's what God wants from us and it's beautiful. But what we need and what we're praying for God to accomplish is so far beyond the pale of what we can accomplish that we... But when it happens, we don't need to be confused yeah. about who gets credit. And, That's right. And That's I'm right. telling you that, I mean, in my humble opinion, you know, he pulls it off mm-hmm. every, mm-hmm. every every week. It's yeah. just amazing to me. Okay, back to, like you said, What's personal. That? What is your personal theology of worship? That was the original question. Okay, I'll, I'll start us. Um, well, we and had three people answer it. Well, okay. <laughs> was I one of the three? I don't know. I said, no. said something, but I don't think it was anywhere near that in answer to that question. You got sidetracked. That's all right. <laughs> yeah, shocking. I got sidetracked. Um, for me, it boils down to one word in Greek because, again, it's me. Uh, it's the word kenosis. Right? Okay. It is this. Mm-hmm. It is this understanding it's like this reflexive reflexive of word in greek it is the act of emptying yourself out um mm-hmm. but with the understanding that as we empty ourselves out that god will be faithful to fill us back mm-hmm. up and so if i come into a sunday whether i'm leading or whether i'm just there to worship um, um like if i'm here preaching or when at, uh, at a different church we're on vacation or something we're at, we're at church and i just i get to be 
I get to be a churchgoer on one of those those weekends. Um, it's about me pouring out whatever I've got, mm-hmm. whatever I'm bringing in. So if it's if it's joy, I'm pouring out joy. And if it's brokenness, I'm pouring out brokenness. And mm-hmm. if all I've got is emptiness, I'm going to pour out my emptiness with the understanding that God will be faithful to meet me mm-hmm. in that place. And all of that room that I just now opened up because I'm pouring out what whatever gunk I've been carrying around with me all week, I'm going to pour it out. I'm going to give it to Jesus. Um with the prayer and with with the, the the prayerful expectation that God's going to fill me back up mm-hmm. with love and joy and peace mm-hmm. and patience and kindness and goodness mm-hmm. and faithfulness and gentleness and self control and spirit control and mm-hmm. you know all the other good fruit of the spirity sort of stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, so mine, I think, is really built out in an understanding of worship as pouring ourselves out in in response to a God who pours Himself out in mm-hmm. Jesus. That's good. We're going around. Yeah. Sure. Yeah, I kind of already touched on this, but you know, for me, it's it's worship is it flows out of gratitude for God, um, and then I also think it's important to mention for, for this for my own personal theology that like worship is not entertainment. Mm-hmm. Worship is like coming to get our marching orders, and so it starts in worship, but it can't end in worship. Mm-hmm. I mean, it, it, that that can't be the entirety of our our faith. Uh, worship's extremely important, and I don't want to minimize that on a worship podcast. But, uh, but it's it's where we start. It's the it's the the soil, and then out of that comes mission and discipleship and community and relationship and all of the beautiful things that we're called to in the gospels. Um, and it it starts it starts in worship. Mm-hmm. We come here. We we hear a message and we get convicted or sent on our way and we we. Uh, you know, so often I'll, I'll get convicted during, you know, a song and it may not be something that anybody else hears, but it may just be for me. Um, but it's in the act of worship that, that I feel like God says, all right, here's what we're going to work on next. Mm-hmm. And sometimes it's mission. Sometimes it's, you know, my own personal stuff that I've got to work on. Um, but yeah, for me, worship is, it's not entertainment. And I do think that that's something that maybe, you know, in, in some cultural Christianity, it, it can be that, and 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 that's uh, that's not always great. And so, it's not entertainment. It's it's sending us out on our way to get to work to go after what we're what we're supposed to be getting after. Yeah, I loved your um, not entertainment. I tell every soloist that comes in that this church is not about perfection of performance. It's all about the heart. It harkens mm-hmm. back to what you were saying. And so it, it is not about yeah. performance. It's not about entertainment. It's all about yeah. heart. Yeah. Because sometimes and, in those moments when we have had little slip-ups, that's where I feel like the Spirit has filled in the gaps the most yes. well, and, and done really and, cool things. And I use the example <coughs> is, um, is uh, and I don't think he'd mind me saying this, but Ken Nelson, mm-hmm. he's our most beloved singer on our campus. <laughs> most beloved. Loved, and he never gets the words right, Ever. and nobody, nobody cares. <laughs> nobody cares. So I'll I'll continue. I think the one word I would use um, is connect. Um, when uh, it, whether it's in my morning uh, quiet time or or when we're coming into corporate worship and everything else, the word is connect. I want to connect. I want to help connect God's people to to Him, and um, there's a spiritual energy that's released. When we come together as a community to sing and pray and, um, and allow God's word to penetrate our heart and the preacher, whatever they're speaking on, penetrates our heart. Um, and I just, I love alliteration like someone else at the table. Um, but I do feel like he does, re- we're redeemed and we're restored mm-hmm. and we're refreshed for the yeah, week ahead. Mm-hmm. 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 Yeah. 
So, Todd, a couple of weeks ago at the uh, Bible study, you talked about your credo um, project right, and how excited right. you were about that. Okay, so when you asked me to do a podcast about worship, oh, no. I got real excited. <laughs> and you're going to laugh. I got out my paper oh, called yeah, the you Theology did. of Worship. <laughs> so I'm not going to inflict it upon anybody. But going two. back over it. <laughs> Can uh, we post that online Oh, somewhere? please, because it is, it is extant. It's perfect exactly the way it is. I've not changed at all. <laughs> I'm proud of every word, every punctuation <laughs> mark. No. Don't make me read my own <laughs> credo, please. I could, I, could, I could read it and, and try not to, to get sick. But um, it was part of our Master of Arts and Worship leadership. And it's it forced me to really come to terms with what I, you know, brought to worship, what I, what I thought about it, and what I felt like I needed to, to, to do as a worship leader. Um, and so one of the things we had to do was write our own definition and break it down into the different parts of what we feel like worship should be about, what it shouldn't be about. And some of that's changed over the years, but um, it, I am going to read the definition I wrote back then. And some of it's like a patchwork of a whole bunch of different ideas, but I wrote that worship is responding to God's self-revelation with attitudes and actions characterized by spirit and truth, to engage one's entire being, being in continuous outpouring. That was the original intention for humanity before sin entered the world. And through the continuing work of Jesus Christ to justify and sanctify Christians, worship becomes the natural language of the transformed heart. The natural so, language of the transformed so heart. That's good. All of those so phrases are so stolen. Good. All of those phrases are stolen. <laughs> yeah, but so who wants to go next? With uh, full credit. <laughs> but, but like you said, uh, worship is about pouring out. It's continuous pouring out. That's one of the things that Harold Bessett in his mm-hmm. unceasing worship, it's we're always worshiping, right? It's just what are we worshiping? Right. What are we, oh, what are yeah. we choosing to worship? Because right. um, we can't help but do it. It's what we were made for. Um, so, yeah, and it, when God does the work through worship, it becomes what's easy to express. It's what our hearts naturally want to do once God's done the work on the inside. Yeah, love that. This, is, this may, you may want to cut this out, but I just want to make an observation because this is all wonderful and good. Um, but we have all pastor churches that people have pure hearts and they pour it out. But it helps when you do have some talent to bring other people with your worship. We had our second choir. And then I won't mention any names, but there was a soprano that was mm. like a screech owl that would dominate <laughs> every song. And you couldn't get beyond. Now, she was sincere yeah. and she was pouring out. Yeah. But everyone else, it was like a little less. Pointed. It was it was tough. Yeah. So it's helpful when you have the right heart, but mm. a modicum of talent oh, yeah. that helps. <laughs> The realist steps in the room, right? <laughs> exactly. I will. I love uh, it, though. It's true. I, listening to some of your answers and listening, hearing the word, you know, entertainment and uh, contemporary music and traditional music and having the history of, of knowing some of the discussions mm-hmm. about all of those, this next question uh, kind of addresses that. What is your biggest challenge mm-hmm. in planning a worship service that is spiritually transformative for so many different types of worshipers? Mm-hmm. Do I need to say that again? Yeah, say it mm-hmm. again. Okay. What is your biggest challenge in planning a worship service that is spiritually transformative for so many different types of worshipers? Go, Grace, go. I'll go. Okay. 
it's it's it can be hard, you know, because White's Chapel, it's where tradition meets today. Right. Mm-hmm. And so, I mean, we really we have an 11 o'clock service that is we have six services, but the 11 o'clock, you know, is like our traditional or that's what I feel like people think of as traditional mm-hmm. and then 930 contemporary. But I think as a team, we're trying to make it all one, you know, in both mm-hmm. spaces. So I know for in our contemporary space, we like to do mashups. That's what we call them. So we'll pick a contemporary song, you know, like a Who You Say I Am and get to the end of it and then tag on like a traditional hymn, you know, or go into something, maybe a throwback, something we've not done in a while. And I think that's one of the like ways that we've found to to give people some of that traditional mix and have that transformative experience for everybody. Mm-hmm. But it really is hard because for me personally, I'm like on the contemporary side, I'm listening to these songs sometimes for a year ahead before I even introduce them to the congregation. And so then I, I struggle with not wanting to introduce too many new things, you mm-hmm. know, because I'm listening to so much. So I have to remind myself sometimes weekly or, and I have the great team that reminds me too, Grace, like, well, you can't put three new songs in the service <laughs> this week, you know, but it, we really do try to find songs that in the whole if you're going to call it a set, you know, of our worship in our set, we try to put things in that maybe this connects to our more traditional group. And mm-hmm. maybe this is a brand new contemporary song. And then now the styling of this is maybe more country. If we're planning that deep and trying to have everybody have a cool experience. And I want to build on what Grace just said. Yeah. Um, and it's the recognition that one size doesn't fit all. Mm-hmm. And I think for the worshiper to realize that, that it may not be my personal favorite, but it's speaking to somebody. And to have an openness that we are all different, even within the contemporary. Um, We have all ages of folk with all kinds of definitions. So that recognition that we're trying, but everything Mm -hmm. may not speak to me, but it's speaking to somebody. And I think what Grace said was so well said. And I think for me... Um, whenever, whenever you asked the question, really the second time it hit me, um, it's the other, it's the other side of the same coin that Grace was talking about. She was talking about, you know, the, the, the desire to introduce too much new. I think for me, my, my, my concern is always, um, that, that we get formulaic, Mm -hmm. right? That, that it's always just Mm -hmm. kind of not necessarily the same songs, but kind of the same pattern. Okay. We'll have an opening song and then do a welcome and greet. And then we'll do two songs and hey, that'd be great if we have a matchup this week. And then we'll have a video and then we'll have a prayer and then we'll do this and then we'll have a sermon. And then we're going to reprise the chorus Mm -hmm. of this. I mean, like the formula, you don't want it to be so predictable that Mm -hmm. people just kind of check out or you, you thoughtlessly go through an entire worship service, never engaging the head or the heart or the soul. Um, so I think that was my my first reaction to, to that question. I, I I never want us to be predictable, the foregone conclusion. I never want us to be formulaic just for this for the sense of it being easy. Yeah. I'd like to kind of go back to the beginning and just explain not everyone knows how many services we do. Yeah. Perhaps we do six services like you mentioned. We have a five thirty Saturday yeah. with Sam and Grace, and then we have an eight twenty Sunday morning with our co pastors. The preaching lead preaching pastor preaches at that one. Um, from September to May, we have a little choirette that sings, and um, we have a song leader, and it leans more to the traditional side. And then at nine thirty, we offer two options for people who want just a quiet word and table service. We offer that in the little chapel by the pond in Founders Chapel. Um, Walton Chapel, 9.30, that's with a song leader and some special music, but it's a quieter, 
service with maybe 35 to 40 people. And then at 930 is when our big sanctuary happens with big contemporary um, with you know, all the bells and whistles and um, and uh, lots of excitement and energy and lots of spirit. And then at 11 o'clock, we offer a smaller uh, acoustic kind of contemporary in the foundry um, with just a, the, a video of the pastor's preaching and um, and a song leader and, uh, and a pastor in there. And then at 11 o'clock in the sanctuary is when we have the full choir, chancel choir and orchestra. So we offer a different flavor. I know we, we many times Times Pastor John and I we laugh about it. it's Luby's cafeteria you know you <laughs> you get you, we offer all different flavors so if I, I just want people to know if you aren't comfortable in whichever one you're attending now maybe try a different one mm-hmm. you know that yeah. there's um and um, <clears throat> yeah. Shauna that's absolutely right so that try a different one isn't just so you can you know have a flavor of the month um, but it's <laughs> learning to appreciate the other forms of worship. Uh, that are all around you. And so that, that for me is like one of the hardest parts because as a worship leader, one of your primary desires is full participation and engagement from the congregation. You want for them to pour out their hearts to God. Um, and and we, we aim specifically at that. But one of the biggest challenges is the more people do that, the more they feel fulfilled and, and built up and encouraged. And so that worship becomes more of a personal, hey, I really got something out of worship today. Um, and now my heart is full as opposed to what Todd said earlier, that it's that it's first and foremost a pouring out, mm-hmm. right? We've got to give God our gratitude, our yeah. thanks, the praise and worship He deserves. So, well so, so when we do that, right? The the trick is if people get stuck in this, I'm filling up from worship. Mm-hmm. Um, if somebody is doing something they don't identify with or, or or enjoy, it's an infringement on their worship, as opposed to something that's what it really is, which is a compliment to. And so, leading a, a very diverse congregation or a large church. Um, is challenging because your goal is to get the congregation to um, actively pour out their worship while at the same time making space for other people to do that in a way that might not look the way they want it to. Um, But for me, I think that's the key. If you can look at the person next to you worshiping and, and see God is working in their heart and I know them and I love them, so this song may not be my favorite or the pastor may not be preaching my favorite verse today, but I'm so glad the person next to me um, is here because they're part of the same church family that I am, and I love that God is working in their heart. I just want to compliment your DBU uh, uh, worship professors over there. They should be incredibly proud of you. Um, that's so well said. Uh, okay. Yeah, I think one of the biggest challenges for me, and this is maybe more of a personal than it is uh, anything else, but because part of our job I don't know if anyone else feels this way, but because part of our job is constructing worship services, I find that in myself, I sometimes watch a worship service with this critical eye Mm. of, you know, how does this look? And I'm talking about myself. You know, when I go back, I'm like, I, I, it's almost like rather than really allowing myself to be taken away by the experience and let the Holy Spirit guide, I'm kind of... (laughs) I'm going to jump in and (laughs) say, Sam, I think that's because you're a preacher's kid. Yeah, maybe so. Because I'm a preacher's kid too. And I tend to do that because we were kind of, I mean, this is the family business, (laughs) if you will. And and (laughs) so therefore, you know, I find my, and I hate it, but you know, I do. Yeah, because to the point uh, that that so so many people have already made, you know, I, I, I do want it the experience to reach as many people, you know, like, I mean, Paul says he, he wants to be all things to all people. And, uh, but the reality is 
we, you know, we, we can't be all things to all people all the time. Mm-hmm. And, and so sometimes I guess as, yeah, and now that it is my job, just allowing myself to get taken away in an experience and say, okay, mm-hmm. this, this service, I may not ball in the middle of this service for me, but it's not about me in the first place. Mm-hmm. It's about God. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's about somebody in the congregation experiencing something new and experiencing God in a new way and, and, and the Lord speaking to somebody. And so, you know, I, I just have to check my own heart to be frank mm-hmm. all the time and be like, okay, don't nitpick this. And okay, <laughs> the microphone went out for three seconds. Well, you know what? It's okay. Like, <laughs> you know, it's, it's all good. Uh, we're going to survive. So, um, yeah, I don't, I, I think that for some of us as worship leaders, uh, I, I hesitate to call myself that because you, you don't want to hear me sing, but, um, but that's, that's part of it is allowing ourselves to, okay, we've done it. We've prepared it. Now let's just let God, let's let God, yeah, you know, can't worry about the outcome. Yes. Mm-hmm. Let, let God do it. Yeah. Okay. Um, just a couple more questions. Um, do you ever change your worship plans because of a spiritual nudge. Oh, sure. Absolutely. Yes. Yeah, yeah. And we will just say all the time. Yeah. Um, we can have series that are planned that the Spirit's moving something different. We can have. The week before. The week before. We can. Shauna will tell you all the time with some of our music, we'll look and think, this isn't right. Yeah. And we will arrange things, and the Spirit sends us somewhere different. I would say all the time. Musicians know that the only constant at White's Chapel is change. Exactly. (laughs) No, Sam will literally be on a Thursday out running, working on his sermon, you know, and I'll get a call, Grace. The, the spirit has moved me and you need to change that closing song to a special I want this song and I think it's going to work and I'll be like yeah yeah Sam that's great that's totally fine close his phone finds charts starts calling the band yeah <laughs> but in, in all honesty it's not a big deal if we want the service to go well we want honestly mm-hmm. we want our pastors to feel supported by their music too yeah. I know it, that's not the only reason we're picking those songs but it's really cool when we can like yeah. pick something or let the pastor pick something that they love. And I always apologize. It's this first thing I say is, hey, sorry, sorry, sorry. Yeah, it starts with, hey, I'm so sorry, but I'm a... (laughs) You don't like getting calls for me out there because you know what I'm going to say. And to be clear, I can't think of a single instance where that's happened, where we've made a change. And it hasn't been universally agreed upon that it's the right call. Mm -hmm. Like there, I I don't know, growing up a little Baptist church, there were pastors that would constantly say, uh, the sermon I prepared to preach this morning is not what I'm going to preach. God led me in a different direction uh, just 30 minutes ago. And and, and as a kid, I was thinking, sure he did, right? You didn't didn't prepare. But but as a team, I can tell you, we work so hard to prepare that when God leads us in a different direction, Mm. personally, I feel like it's something we can lay on the altar and say, God, all of this was done for you. Take us wherever you want us to go. We'll follow. John's favorite word is organic. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Okay, uh, just to end... This is just kind of a, a little light thing to let people get to kind of know who you are and, and maybe what your favorites are. So just kind of tell me, do you have a favorite song, all of you, that you kind of, that's that's your favorite hymn that you like and you really can connect with? Todd, do you have one? 
I do, but Grace is salivating over there. Like, oh, get it. okay, one. Grace. I'll go first, go first, just because I'm ready to go. Um, I have two. I, I I know you asked for one, but I have two, and I'll, I'll be quick Rebel. about it. I know. So the first one, I was talking to Clint about it. Um, it's King of Kings. Uh, we do it quite often here. It's mm-hmm. by... Brooke Liggardwood. I think I said her last name right. I don't know. Brooke. Um, but that's just, I mean, it's one of my favorites. I mean, it's. I was telling Clint that I can listen to anybody sing it. I can listen to anyone even just read the lyrics and I'm moved by it, you know, mm-hmm. like just from the that you know it just it means a lot it's a powerful song and then one just like kind of personal to me it's called god is love by chris renzima mm-hmm. and Dee, Dee sang that for my mm-hmm. wedding yeah. while Aww. we took communion and that song just means the world to me it, it's a beautiful song but also just for that moment at my wedding it was it was perfect yeah it means a lot to me but i have so many favorites so <laughs> come ask me about more <laughs> oh to me okay i thought we were gonna go around the table we can go around the table. We can yeah. go around the table. Um, so I love the song So Will I. Yes. Mm-hmm. That's one of my favorites. I think it's one of the most, I don't know, like beautifully poetic mm-hmm. modern songs. And just the idea of, okay, if the stars were made to worship, so will I. Mm-hmm. Yeah. If the mountains bow in reverence, so will I. There's something so empowering about that for me of just, okay, if, I mean, if, if, every, if all of creation – is is praising your name i'm gonna join in i'm not gonna miss out and and it it also just musically fires me up because it mm-hmm. kind of builds mm-hmm. and so by, i mean by the end i'm, I'm usually uh, pretty worked up and then honestly this is just a nostalgic thing but a lot of old david crowder stuff which we okay. don't we don't do as much Come but on. that's what i grew up with i grew up with Remedy and Illuminate and all of these great albums <laughs> oh, yeah. that that just I mean still it takes me to a place and it takes me to like it takes me to the place in my faith where I first met Jesus mm-hmm. really met Jesus for me mm-hmm. really met Jesus for me and it was like it wasn't about being a pastor's kid it wasn't about having attended church my whole life it was just between me and Jesus mm-hmm. and those songs are representative of that so mm-hmm. um, yeah mm-hmm. You just made me feel really old because there you are meeting Jesus and having all these powerful moments with a David Crowder, mm-hmm. you know, CD, I reckon. And like I was going to church at the whenever I wasn't working for church in college, Carrie and I went to UBC down in Waco where Crowder was leading yeah. worship. Um, and oh, so, yeah, I just feel all sorts of, all sorts of old now. But uh, <laughs> I mean, is that a little bit of a flex? Maybe a little flex. No. I didn't know him. I obviously uh, I have haven't been. Will never be that cool. Um, favorite worship songs might change. Yeah, Grace will tell you that mine change. Um, I do have a list, mm-hmm. and uh, like all every song that's been mentioned so far, it's it's on my list. So will so will I. I would mm-hmm. I would I could hear every week, but the worship team would kill us because that's one of the hardest songs we do because there's nothing repeated. Nothing I don't repeated. nothing repeats. There's the build is, <laughs> Yeah, it's this massive song. Uh, Right now, I think probably where where I am just as a dad, the blessing. Mm -hmm. Um, Like Mm -hmm. you speaking this blessing over, like speaking the blessing over the kids in this church that we own. Is these these are our kids, and we're going to fight and we're going to protect, you know, fight for and protect our kids. But it's a blessing I'm speaking over my boys in particular too. 
and their their children and their children and their families mm. and their families is like this multi-generational thing. And so as far as contemporary songs go, the blessing is kind of at the top of my list right now. As far as hymns go, Be Thou My Vision mm. um, is just it's the cry of, of I hope all of our hearts you know, be my vision, be my wisdom, thou my true love. And, and then that, you know, a great God of heaven, my victory won. Like it kind of mm. takes you through the, the entirety of the sweep of life and to, to see God as the constant through it all. Um, those, those, are, those are my two favorites. Mm-mm. Clint? Uh, so I'm like Todd. It changes constantly. Um, I come back to some of them. So the, as far as hymns go, praise the Lord, the Almighty. Yeah. I, I'll still mm-hmm. John's line, God as a mother does speed. Mm-hmm. Right? It's beautiful. Uh, Before the throne of God above is one of my favorite hymns. Um, it's, it's an old one, but it, I mean, uh, I have a strong and perfect plea, a great high priest whose name is love, whoever lives and pleads for me. My name is graven on his hands, but written on his heart. Oh, beautiful lyrics, right? Yeah. Uh, but I don't get to do that one in the contemporary service very often. <laughs> so, hey, uh, right? <laughs> uh, for contemporary stuff, I they change so constantly. But the one I've been centering in on right now is uh, Gratitude by Brandon Lake. Yeah. Uh, mm-hmm. It yeah. says, you know, my words fall short, but I can't be stuck there. i got to constantly... Look for new ways to share my love with uh, for God, because my goal is, my hope is that each day I'll be growing and held no better how to say hallelujah tomorrow than I do today. That's beautiful. Okay, so um, I have two hymns, and the first one is Holy, 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 mm-hmm. and it's how I start every moment, every prayerful moment, every when I'm driving to church on Sunday mornings, when I start my quiet time, it's to remember who God is and remember his character. And um, because it's not about me, it's all about him. So um, holy, holy, holy. And the second one is joyful, joyful. It's how I sign everything joy or choose joy or something. Um, And a couple of years ago, uh, a beloved choir member contacted um, a composer and had those mashed up into an anthem in my honor and I was I'm just so it's flattered is is not even the right word honored and um, anyway and so uh, Pastor John indulges me and we get to do it the second second Sunday of every August right around my birthday <laughs> and um, and I can't even I just talking about it makes me tear up you know but to put those two together with the Sanctus is how how Marquez composed it um, is just so special it is just so me so Thank you, Debbie. I'm going to let John do the last answer, but before he does, I'm actually going to share my favorite hymn yes. and tell you why. And that is, a lot of people in the church who've been here long enough and know me know that being a minister's wife was not my choice uh, because I was a preacher's kid. And if we want to get into that, maybe Sam and I can do a podcast on that one. We will commiserate later. Uh, yes, but uh, I did not want that, and and. God had to show me that that's what he wanted me to do. But interestingly enough, the very first time I ever heard, great is thy faithfulness, it made me realize that everything I had done in my entire life, every experience, uh, every time I thought I was different or just everything was leading up to this really to this experience at White's Chapel and that God had intended me to be a preacher's wife long before he let me in on the secret. Mm-hmm. And when I hear the words to great is thy faithfulness now, mm-hmm. how faithful mm-hmm. God is to us and how he's got the big picture all along and he is faithful not just to his needs and wants or desires, but also to ours. Mm-hmm. He makes us who we are 
and then he answers that with his faithfulness. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. I think of that every Beautiful. single time I hear mm-hmm. I hear that song. Mm-hmm. And now, I know that you're sitting on the edge of your yeah. seat. No, because honestly, I, I, my, my answer is going to be we, what everybody else has said. Um, I will tell you, Shauna and Clint and Grace will tell you, I have hundreds of favorites. <laughs> and that list is continuing to change, and I really do mean it. They're all my favorite at the time. One thing that we do that people may not know for the traditional services mm-hmm. Uh, when we go through the hymns, Shauna has a little yellow sticky note <laughs> that she records with every hymn when we last sang it. And so there's certain of my favorites like Holy, Holy, Holy and Great is Thy Faithfulness that I will say, I will say, well, we're going to limit that to 11 times a year. <laughs> and so because it's just one that's so beloved, you cannot sing it that many times. So, But you know one that I think about that's changing, we haven't actually done it in a while. But I love, and it's not really a hymn, it's a cover song, but it always gets to me when Ken Nelson sings Lean On Me, oh. Oh, and it just seems to be almost the, the, the alma mater for our church. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, I might have a problem that you'd understand. Mm-hmm. Uh, we all need somebody to lean on. Mm-hmm. I think that captured the heart of who we are and really the heart of who Ken is. Mm-hmm. Um, and that one always gets to me. But again, mm-hmm. honestly, I, I know there are going to be new songs y'all are going to introduce that will be my new favorites. Mm-hmm. So I am so thankful that mm-hmm. my favorites are now uh, hundreds of songs. That's awesome. Well, and I promise that we've come to an end of, of and I, I really loved this. I hope we get mm-hmm. to do something like this again. And I, I really hope that the congregation gets the chance and, and has had the opportunity to kind of see some of your personalities and and I love each and every one of you and I appreciate so much the time that you've spent with me today and uh, I hope we get to do it again. Yes. Thanks. Thanks, Debbie. Thank you. Bye.